babe. Hello all and welcome to the Affluent Marriage Podcast. You're listening to two money mastery coaches talk about living a rich and full marriage through generational wealth building principles, authentic two-way communication strategies, and everything in between to become a couple that lives in love and walks in wealth. Your legacy starts here. Oh, you changed it. It was begins here. Now well, it starts here. I did that because I was looking at the uh, ah, the video over here. Listen, yes, this is good. I'm going to try not to be distracted today, but we are currently going live where? We're going, currently going live. Um, we're, we're recording the YouTube. So if you're watching the YouTube, you're watching all the shenanigans. Yes. But we're also on live on our group pages and Facebook pages and all that jazz. So there's a lot of possibility that we could be like, over here. So just bear with us if you're watching on YouTube. Otherwise, if you're on podcast and you're listening to us, you have no idea what's going on. So yeah, let's have a good time. So today we're focusing, we talked last week all about Cancun. It was like our Cancun special. We talked about what it looks like when you're committed to finances, but your your partner's not, or when you're committed to affluence and your partner's not. And we kind of looked at that through the lens of Cancun. We talked about our experience and how really we aligned while we were in Cancun for this business that we're in together right. now, yeah. right? We changed our words from one educator and one profit coach to two money mastery coaches. Right. And the other thing that was really cool is that- We, uh, we said bye, bye, bye to the old because we are in sync now. Oh, you, how, <laughs> were, you really, were you really excited about that one? I, I, I almost sang it, but you almost did it. I didn't. Oh goodness. I'm so proud of you that you didn't sing it. Um, but yeah. And I think what was really great is I've been doing this business, um, you know, building it up for the past three, four years. And he's always been there as a support as like a, you got this. And I, I likened it to the idea of having a cheerleader on the side and just being like, you got this, go team, yes. go. And, and now he's in the huddle. He's in the huddle with me. He knows all the plays. He's like, let's do I still do have this. my pom-poms though. You still have your pom-poms. Because yeah. I still cheer while I'm in the huddle. This is true. He still cheers. One he's, day I'll get the ball. <laughs> you no, know, trust me. In terms of the podcast, you got the ball. <laughs> I don't want the ball for the podcast. Um, so yeah, so I feel like the, the trip really allowed us to get really aligned with what our goals are, what we want to bring to the table. And we found that really we want to be money mastery coaches for that power couple. Um, so go ahead and hit them with our, our big viral Ooh, promise. You ready for the big viral promise? Yeah. Who, sh- who should I look at for the big viral promise? Should I look at YouTube or should I look at the uh, the live? You should look at the live. Who wants it? We should look at the live. Okay. This is who we work with. Oh, okay. <laughs> go for it. So listen, my wife and I, my name is Daniel and this is my wife, Kimberly Graham, and we are your money mastery coaches. We work with high earning power couples to guide them to financial harmony and improve communication around their finances, utilizing our affluent synergy framework. Even if you already talk about money or meticulously budget every expense, we've got you. We've got you because listen, just because you have a budget does not mean that you are working in, in, in a team. Just because you are like, oh yeah, I'm aware that we make money and I'm aware that we spend it does not mean that you are on the path to affluence. I just got off the phone with a client of mine who just got an amazing raise making 180 or $108,000. I think it was 180 is what I told you. And she's now making 260. Right, she jumped 80K. Oh my gosh, like what an insane thing. And the things that we're talking about are things that many people would assume that, oh, if I'm only making this much a year, 
that this is the situation I'd be in. Like, it's hard for me to, to, to like budget my money. I need to save money. I need to do whatever. And here she is. And she is so gung ho. She's like, I am making this jump in my pay. I need to make sure that I know exactly where every dollar is going because what I've been doing before has not been cutting it because I'm always feeling like at the end of the month, I'm like, where the heck did my money go? And my savings is like not where I want it to be. And you would be surprised. You would never think that because someone is making so much in their business or in their home or in their uh, their their you know uh, corporate salary that they would have these types of you know situations. But the fact of the matter is, more money is not the thing that's going to make you feel more affluent. Right, lifestyle creep is a real thing. Oh, it's and a real thing. Here's the thing: this is something that we're kind of bringing into the fray uh, with our business, but we have this whole concept of. Mm money archetypes or yeah. money languages, right? Everyone speaks their own unique money language. And I could tell you right now what money language she speaks. Oh yeah, for like, sure. It's so clear to it's, me what, based on yep. the characteristics and her strengths and her weakness, I know exactly what her money language is. Yep. And she could find that out if she jumped in the masterclass. What? Oh my gosh, yeah. So we have masterclasses happening ongoing every single month. Our next one is October 25th. Um, and we're going to be talking to you about your financial languages because every single person has a financial language that is unique to them. When you find out what it is and which category you sink into and you know what your partner's is, this is where things go crazy. And you find out the strengths about each of these, these archetypes then you can leverage the strengths of both people and create more synergy, more focus, more drive towards your financial goals. Whereas right now, what many people are doing is they're just kind of like, you're so this, you're too that when it comes to finances. And then you internalize this and say, I can't manage my money because I'm too this, I'm too that. And I, we're here to say, nope, Nope. You actually have a strength that you haven't even tapped into yet with your finances. And when you understand how to tap into it and your partner understands how to tap into that, it's going to change your whole entire conversations around finances when you understand how each other is thinking and talking about money. Right. If you've been around the podcast, if you've checked us out, you know, we always talk about the power of being yoked up. And basically that means being aligned with your partner. If you're not leveraging your partner's power and your power, then you're never going to be a power couple. No. No. Right, you have to leverage each other's strengths. And remember, we just said that has nothing to do with the dollar sign. So that's what we're really talking about today. Like, how do you feel, or how do you create affluence from where you are? Because it's not really having to do with the dollar sign. The dollar right. signs are effect of it, but it really comes down to what you're doing. Right. What does it look your, like in real couple? life in your day to day? What are you doing to commit to being affluent? So, let's kick this off. Your commitment to money in real life can manifest in various ways, right? It often involves a combination of habits, behaviors, your mindset. So we're going to talk about some common ways that you can commit to being affluent in real life. The first of which mm. is near and dear to our heart because this is like where our story started back Stick in 2011. Us. Stick with us. All right. Budgeting. Stop it. Budgeting. Don't, don't you dare turn your face away. Budgeting. <laughs> right commitment to being affluent is all about budgeting. You just talked about this client, right? Yeah. You said by any means, any listener would say 280K affluent, right? right? In terms of earnings, but because of lifestyle creep and because of their unique money language, they're not feeling affluent. Yep. So commit to being affluent, budgeting. You need to commit to understanding where your money is going. Commit to finding a balance between 
I need to have a, I need to have savings. I need to make sure that I have, you know, investments, but also I want to have fun with my money as well. But there's a balance to it all. No matter how much money is being made, you have to find that balance. And I think this is something else. I don't even know if you have this like later on in your your, you don't, you don't. Okay, so I just want to make sure I wasn't like going off and like Be gentle <laughs> going, with above, my computer. going right. above and beyond the, the, the notes. I think that one of my favorite things to help clients do is to help them understand what they really truly want. Dollar signs aside, how do you want to feel in the face of a, of a financial crisis? How do you want to feel when your car breaks down and you're like, okay, I need to fix this problem. How do you want to feel? Because throwing a credit card at it that might sound like, oh, that's so snazzy, but you are going to have to pay that off, right? And, and if the you interest. don't have money in the account, then that's not really feeling affluent. So like, really think, like, how do you want to feel in these situations? How do you want to feel when you go to a five-star restaurant and you decide that you want a, you know, a nicer dinner that's market, right? That's market price and not like something, the chicken that's on the menu. <laughs> you don't right? even want to look at the price on the menu. You, don't even you just want to go in the menu. And even if it's a Caesar chicken salad, right? But you just want to look and see the name of the meal and be like, I want that. Yes. And not have to think about that. Right. So when you identify, what does it feel like? How do we, then we're able to backtrack and say, okay, how can we make sure that our our habits and the strategies of our finances help you feel that way. And that starts with budgeting. Like that's then where budgeting comes into place because we're setting you up for success that when you're in any of those situations, you can feel affluent. So let's go back to 2011. Mm. We're pre-pandemic. We've never even, you know, if you see someone wearing a mask in public, you think they're probably going to rob you. You're probably worried about things like (laughs) Swine flu. I don't know. Whatever yeah. was going on in I don't 2011. What's going on in 2011? I just know it was bliss. Just know that little Kim and Dan had just graduated college. No, and you had just graduated college. Facts. I little Dan had just graduated college because you robbed the cradle, and we were living a blissful marriage. And six months later, mm. Sally May. What that was her original name yeah, to me. She just um, she changes her name every like couple of years just so people don't like her or Navient. don't continue to hate her. Navient, I think, is her name now. But she just knocked on the Navi. door. And I'm gonna have to edit that in the video now. What the knocking? Oh, it's not gonna be that loud. We'll see. I did it twice. <laughs> now listen, see that's where my professional like I'm like I gotta edit this girl. You need to stop knocking on this table. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. Sally Mae came knocking and she said, "Hey, six months. You know, it's time. Mm-hmm. Pay up. Pay up." So this hoe, Sally, uh, wanted her money. And basically, I had to pay her almost $1,000 every month. And Mm -hmm. a lot of that was just interest. Like, not much of that early payment was principal. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people are going through this right now, right? Mm -hmm. Because they just reenacted student loans, like, with interest and everything. So now people are going to have to make their payments and pay their interest. And people are freaking out because they're like, how do I pay this crap off if I pay, you know, $700, in loans mm-hmm. and then I also pay six, $700 in interest. Like this feels like I'm stuck in a wheel, right? So it started with us by having this, oh crap moment. We owe a ton of money, right? $76,000 and we had no way, mm-hmm. no plan, no nothing to getting out of that debt. So what do we do? We barely had savings. We barely like we barely got into the apartment we got because we were co-signed. Our moms co-signed. Well, I didn't have a job at that point. I had yes, just, you I didn't literally, have a job. you were a private school teacher and I just graduated college. So right. even though I was going to work at that private school, I didn't have the contract that said you're in. That's true. Not only that, like we, 
uh, got married in June. Uh, well, you, I guess, so it was probably the end of the summer, beginning of the school year that we were like, holy crap, because <laughs> you, because you graduated in May. So it would make sense that it would be like maybe towards the end of that, that school year, the the fall that we would have gotten these notes. And I, I, you tell the story and it's so funny because I don't remember this part, but you say it so well. I do remember opening one envelope and going, okay, that's not bad. Oh, the student loans. Yeah, like we could yes, do that. The envelopes that's fine. The loans. That's fine. And then opening another envelope and then another envelope. And over time, it just kind of felt like you just wanted to vomit. Like you were just like, oh. and as a person. Well, I actually cried. So, you know, I cried in my living room because oh, I, I knew that I brought such a burden to our relationship. But, you know, I kept that to myself because, you know, men, we don't always <laughs> cry in public. We should. I've been to therapy now, so now I cry in public. Yeah. But back in the day, pre-therapy, right? This is this is 2011, Dan. <laughs> Right. Pre-therapy, Dan, you know, I, I kept it all in. Right. It was just a very interesting time because for me, um, money is security. That's something that I learned very early on. And I told him before we got married, like, I don't like debt. Not because I was like, I don't like debt because I want to build all this type of investments. It had nothing to do with that. I didn't like debt because it made me feel so out of control if I had an um, amount of money that I had to pay. And if I didn't pay it, they were going to come after me. <laughs> like it scared the living daylights out of me to be like in debt. <laughs> it just scared me to have something chasing me. And I never, but I was scared of money. I was scared of like saving because I was like, how much do I need to have in there? I don't know. I don't know how much I need to have in there. I don't know how much, like what, what even is that number look like? I, and you know, my parents would give me very good, like little clues, but it wasn't enough that I really understood it for myself, what that looked like. And then, and then, but I also loved to shop and I also really liked pretty things. And so it was this constant tension and battle between like, I want things, but I also don't want Daniel to think bad of me if I go to New York and company yet again, because there's another sale, but then my saving, it was just intense. So then add on the $76,000 that he was like, hey, Kim, this is where we're at. It's like $1,000. We can't consolidate it. And I was like, oh, my goodness, this is worst nightmare. Like, I felt like a shell of myself because I was like, I this is literally my worst nightmare. But the thing that was awesome is that I was like, you know what? I could have easily said to him, this is your debt. This is not my debt. This is all because of your schooling. So you go have fun with that dude. Um, I'm going to do my own thing and I'm going to figure it out. Um, but I was like, okay, well, we're going to have to figure it out because in my mind, when we got married, we're together. So this is mine too. I love that you were afraid of creditors. Like they were like loan sharks I did. from back in the day. Like I they literally would come after did. you and like break your legs or something really if you didn't did. pay up. <laughs> do you know? Like we are, we're in the 2000s now, babe. I don't think that I told you the story. I think they'll just like garnish your wages or something, you know? I, <laughs> but no, let me tell you. Okay, real quick before we go into like why this 2011 yes. thing was so important, okay? There was one time, you remember how like you'd have magazines, like highlight magazines or whatever? I I subscribed to a teaching magazine and you know, they give you like six issues for free. And I got like six issues for free. And then they gave me this, this invoice and it was like, I don't know, however much it was for a year of subscriptions of this magazine. And I didn't want it. And I was like, what do I do? It's an invoice. Do I have to pay it? Like what happens if I don't pay it? What happens if I, like, I never gave them my credit card. Do they know? Do they know where I live? Are they going to invoice my credit card? Even though I think Sirius XM knows where I live. Literally, I was so mortified. I was like, I don't know what to do. I literally thought they were going to come after me. So when I tell you that fear was real, that fear was real. <laughs> like It was so real. <laughs> 
Sirius XM like calls me as soon as I finish like a class when I'm at school and I'm teaching and I wrap up and all of a sudden I'm on my break. I'm like, oh, a break. I get to sit down in my office for a second, take a deep breath. And all of a sudden my phone starts ringing and it's Sirius XM. I don't know how they do it, but there's just, they somehow they just know. So yeah, they, 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 they're after us. They're onto us. So no, we're not subscribed. If you're, no. hey, they might be watching this live. We are not, not subscribing, subscribing to Sirius. To Sirius. We have no. all these different internet radios. We have Spotify. We're good. We are content. All we're right. Good. We we're listen good. to Coco Melon and <laughs> whatever other stupid children's music all day, every day. That's all that goes through our head. What are we? Uh, yes. Super Kitties right now. Super Kitties. Oh, Paw man. Patrol. Spider. So, uh, what's it called? Spidey and his amazing Spidey friends. Spidey and his amazing friends. Yeah, we've yeah. really uh, leveled up here. We have leveled up. In our 30s. We're good. We're Ooh. good. So that's so, 2011. Hopefully we painted that picture for you. Yeah, but so the way we got into budgeting though is actually your father. So he came to us and said, hey, look, we are hosting a financial class called Financial Peace University, FPU, at our church. I really think you guys should check it out. You just got married. You're trying to figure things out. Like this is a great foundational tool that you can use to just kind of have a plan for what you're doing with your money. Thanks, Dad. And this is my father-in-law. And I'm like, you know what? I want to have a good relationship with him. I want to start off on the right foot. So, hey, let's do it. You know, let me let me do it your way. Let me try things out. And it actually was just so game-changing mm-hmm. for us because we literally had no plan. Like, we were just spending every Sunday. We had Tutti Frutti Sundays. We'd go get some Froyo. Uh, we just, you know, we had like these routines every day of the week. We would do something. And we quickly quickly realized, wow, we, we spend quite a bit of money on just eating out mm-hmm. and experiences and all these things. So going through FPU, we actually created and crafted our own budget. Mm-hmm. You know, he had the tool, he had the paper, but we had to write in there like our own expenses. Ooh, go back to that. Say that one more time. Say, I don't know what did I said. You, you, we had, they gave us the tools. Yes, they gave us the tools. The paper, but we had to. Do the work. Do the work. That's the thing that I feel like a lot of people get caught up on, especially when it comes to money management, because it seems so simple that everybody else, that everyone should know how to do it because it's so simple. And so if you go on Google and you look up budgeting sheets, you're going to find millions and billions of of different ideas of ways that you can budget. Facts. But why is it that there is a crazy amount of debt that every single, that most of Americans have? It's because we're not willing to do it. We're not willing to do the work that goes along with it. Right. We say this a lot. There's a budget and there's budgeting, Mm. right? The budget's the noun. It's stationary. It's just a thing. Right. And then there's budgeting and that's your verb. That's your action word. Like you actually have to do the work. Mm -hmm. You actually have to budget. So we receive this tool just like you can find anywhere in America online, Google it. And we started to do the work. Now, when we started to do the work, we didn't really feel affluent because we were giving most of our money away to Sally Mae. Mm-hmm. And there wasn't much left over for lifestyle or experiences. Yeah. We couldn't really eat out like that. So all we could really do is just meal prep and meal plan and, and have like rice and beans and ramen and just all these really cheap, cheap, cheap foods, <laughs> right? And that was the lifestyle that we lived for the first two and a half years of mm-hmm. our marriage. And it didn't feel affluent. But, but budgeting is commitment to being affluent. It was the foundation mm-hmm. of affluence. It was our first steps towards mm-hmm. affluence. And even today, as we are walking in affluence, we are still budgeting, mm-hmm. right? It wasn't sexy. It's still not sexy. It wasn't easy. I mean, it's actually it's sexy now when easier. I'm able to say yes to a lot of things. Like I'm able to go, oh, I'm going to go shopping. And I don't have to ask him. 
I don't have to tell him. I don't have to feel guilty when I come home. Like I just go shopping. So I do think that budgeting has allowed it to feel a little bit like it's, it's, it has sex appeal now. It has sex appeal now because it's, (laughs) it's bringing sexy back because it's literally the foundation for us to be able to make those decisions. So I would, I would disagree that it is a little bit more sexy now than it was at first, but it was the necessary thing that we needed to do to get to this point. Right. Cause a lot of com uh, complaints or comments that you get on a budget is it feels restrictive. Mm, Only if you make it only if you make it, it's actually freedom generating, right? Mm -hmm. What you just described is freedom Mm -hmm. that you can go, you have your budget, you have your line item, your bucket for spending money on clothes and, and hair care and all that. And you could just go do it. Yep. For vacation, for my kids, for whatever. And there's, you just do it. And like, that's such a, a fun, like, a fun thing for us to have in our arsenal. But again, it started with like the working it out, the working through the kinks, and we had to work a lot of extra hours. And if we wanted something extra that was fun, we had to work additional for it. So there's a lot of uh, a lot of parts into it and building the savings and all of that stuff. And it, during that time, I will say affluence was apparent. We didn't recognize what it was, but affluence was apparent because we recognized what we truly desired. We, we, we recognized what was really the most important. We found affluence in, you know, going for walks on fall afternoons and, you know, going to our local Starbucks for, you know, uh, for our budgeting meetings, we'd be like, oh, we're going out to eat. So we're going out to Starbucks and we're going to talk about our financial plan and dream together. We found affluence in, you know, having a potluck with our friends and, you know, sitting around a campfire or, you know, sitting outside or sitting at someone's house and just enjoying each other's company. And we were like, this feels good. We felt affluence in those areas because no matter how much money is made is being made those things are the things that I hold dear you know like if we're really being honest and I feel like that experience taught us what our real true affluent like target is when you think about being rich or being affluent it's very very subjective yes right so your version of affluence is going to be different than our neighbors or the person mm-hmm. down the street or the person watching live. Like everyone has their own opinion or mm-hmm. definition of what affluence looks and feels like. And for us, affluence goes beyond dollars. Like yes, affluence, a big part of it is wealth man- mm-hmm. wealth and wealth management. Yeah. But there's a feeling, there's a mindset, there's a lifestyle. Like there's more to affluence than just dollar, dollar bill, y'all. Dollar, dollar bills, y'all. So we've talked a lot about budget. Another component of commitment of being affluent or to affluence is saving. Mm -hmm. And not a lot of people like to hear that because a lot of people like that instant gratification. They, they, They love the experiences and they love living in the present and living for the now. But part of affluence is a commitment to saving. Mm -hmm. Yes. Committing to saving and committing to say, I want to prioritize my money for the things that we have right now and the things that we have in the future. Um, so I will give you some, some strategies cause there's a lot of things that people might say, okay, well, sa- savings. All right. You might be like me who, if you hear the word emergency fund, you're like, what does that even mean? So should we go into details about that just a little bit? Like of what that specific goal looks like? How are you feeling? Like, what is the vibe? What is the mood? Like, is it, are you feeling like you should go into emergency fund? Because if that's the case, I want you to go where the mood goes. I'm looking at the notes and it says emergency funds. I'm Look at kidding. this as kidding. <laughs> a guideline, all right, uh-huh. into your conversation. Don't Got look it. at it as like bylaws. Uh huh. Right. Um, so 
Just to give you guys some good information, your emergency fund. The mood strikes again. Should be. She's going into the e-fund, y'all. Three Enjoy. To, we call it an e-fund. Three to six months of, and say it with me, expenses. E- expenses. Expenses. Expense, expenses. Very good. Not income, not salary. I've heard this on several different places where someone's like, you need three three months of your of your income. No, that's a lot of money. You don't need that much. <laughs> you need three three times the amount of your expenses. Now, I want you to think about the needed expenses, the things that are absolutely the most important for you. If you don't have any money coming in and you're like, yo, we are down to the bare minimum. What are the things that must be paid for? Top priority. So normally people like to go through like their, uh, the house lights, internet, internet, cause that is a necessity at this point. Um, you know, it, those types of things, food on the table, right? We're, we're talking that. Get a number of what that looks like. And if that seems like a, mm, I don't really know, then that tells me you're not budgeting, right? Because if you have no idea how much you're spending in a given month, that's a, that's a red flag. You need to go do that right now, <laughs> okay? So once you have that understanding of how much it costs just for the bare minimum to make sure that bills are paid and that you are feeling good and like, okay, I can, I can muster a month and make sure we can get through things uh, while I look for another job or while things pick back up. That's your, that's month one, right? Take the, whatever that number is and multiply that by three, especially if you have a job that's easy to, easy to get another job or a little bit more stable, multiply that number, that same number by six. If you want to be like, I want to make sure that I have like a a nice chunky emergency fund, that is your emergency fund. Okay. The other thing that people love to talk about is buckets or, you know, what do they call it? Uh, Sinking funds. And that's for the other stuff that's short term. So committing to affluence means committing to making sure that you don't have to worry if things happen in your job tomorrow. Committing to affluence is being able to say we're okay and actually mean we're okay because I have like, you know, twelve, sixteen thousand dollars in a bank account ready to go should anything go awry. That's that's committing to affluence for yourself because you're saving yourself from your mindset going into the gutter. I, I'm not necessarily I'm not anti debt. Like it's to me, like if you are someone who likes to interact with debt by all means, like that's your choice, that's your lifestyle. But but I will say this, I'm more of a person that sees your savings as like pre-debt and Mm post-debt. When you're trying to get out of debt, because that's something I would advise you to do, get out of debt, does that mean you can never go back into debt? Again, that's your choice. If you feel like you can manage and control the credit card and stay on top of it, I'm not gonna tell you no. I'll tell you that we don't do that. No, I hate that's not our choice. I'm so over it. But I'm not anti credit card. (laughs) Like if that's your choice, that's your choice. You do you. But I very much see it as pre debt and post debt because I want you to get out of your enormous student loan debt or whatever enormous debt that you have, other than like your mortgage. Pre debt, you really want to focus on getting out of debt. So that savings, it might only be like things to cover, just those random expenses that might pop up, like you need a car repair or you need to repair something in your house or you know, just some random emergency that might happen. Those things are generally not going to cost more than a thousand to two thousand dollars. Like that might be mm-hmm. all that you have in your savings. And it's just there in case ish hits the fan. Right. All right. 
And then, yes, once it's used, you do have to, you know, replenish. replenish that because trust me, more things will happen and you will need that money. And if you don't replenish it, then oh crap, we don't have any money. We're hitting the credit card, right? Yep. So it's really frustrating when that happens because you have those goals and you're like, all right, I'm trying to get out of this debt. I'm going to be done. You'll have like your debt free date in a way. Like you're like, all right, I'm going to be done by August next year. And then your car breaks down. And now you're not done until October next year. And I, you hate it, but it's, it's just a part of the process. So for me, when I think about savings, that's, that's your savings pre-debt, post-debt, as you described, build up that emergency fund, get it anywhere from three to six months based upon your stability. But when I think about savings, I think about the buckets you just talked about, those sinking funds. Like I, I love the idea of building my savings for like my clothing. Oh yeah. And I our, watch it build every month and yeah. I'm like, all right, it's up to like, you know, two, three, $400 now, I'm gonna go buy that pair of mm -hmm. shoes or I'm gonna go buy that outfit or I'm gonna go buy that mm -hmm. bag or whatever it is, you know? Like I, I just get excited to watch that number grow mm -hmm. in those sinking funds and have that freedom to just go get it. And when you see it, you're like, yes, King. Yeah. Like, yes, you finally bought that thing that you've been saving for. It's not me walking in the house and you're like, um, when, when did you get that? With what money? And do you really need another pair of shoes? Do you really need that thing and it's like nah. what like so you just start that art like there's never that no. because you know and i know that it's going to come from our sinking fund that we have established at savings right and you can create sinking funds for whatever you want so vacations for um we have one for entertainment so if we go to concerts or things of that nature we're going to a pumpkin patch i gotta buy tickets for that today so that comes from that account so it doesn't come from today's dollars, right? It's not coming from that and going, oh man, that's gonna take away from, we've already planned for it essentially months and months and months ago when we started putting money into these accounts. We have one for our rental that we're about to, you know, get ready to put on the market. We have one for the down payment for, you know, the rental we're gonna move into because we're doing a little experiment. Like we wanna make sure that we are putting money aside for these things. Now, I'm not gonna get into the strategy of how you start that because if you want that, you need to get into our masterclass and ask us more questions and we would love to coach you on that. But this is really the thing that really is, shows that you're committed to affluence is to get to this point where you're able to say, I prioritize my savings and I prioritize my sinking funds because it allows me to have the freedom. And again, your mindset doesn't go down this shame spiral of, oh my gosh, this is just horrible. And this, like it, it allows you to have facts to be able to say, and this is what I always tell people, whenever you have anxiety about finances, answer it with facts. So being able, I was just talking to a client about this who has a nice emergency fund and all that stuff. And she was having some anxiety about saving, uh, about spending money. And she had to spend $7,000 on her health. Like she needed to go get a, a coach of some sort for her health. And she was feeling so like, oh my gosh, like that was savings that I, you know, that I put in there and I had to drain a little bit of it. And I, I have savings elsewhere and everything. And I was like, oh, why are you feeling so bad about this? The you six months ago would not have been able to do what you just did because you didn't have savings. But the you today was able to take advantage of or, or see prioritizing her health and saying, I need this because it's going to make me feel better in the long run. I'm going to be on this earth for a long run because I'm able to do this a little, you know, so it's worth the $7,000 to drop. And I still have emergency funds. I still have money coming in. I have a plan for how to replenish that amount. Like these are facts that you can tell yourself that allow you to, to, to kind of get off that cliff of I'm a horrible person with my money and to recognize, no, I'm actually super affluent. Like I'm affluent. This is a privilege that I'm able to do this. That's the difference between, oh my gosh, I can't believe I spend that. And oh no, this is 
this is what I built so that I'm able to do this. It changes the the feeling of spending money. We need to take $7,000 and invest it in our teeth. Yes, we're going to do that next, next <laughs> 2024. year. Next year. It's the glow up the of, alignment. Of, of us. <laughs> the next alignment. Our, our teeth. teeth. <laughs> yes. Our, our teeth. So, man, I just like threw myself off with that joke. All right. That was so, a good joke. Thank you. The alignment yes, of our teeth. It's happening. And we said that in synchronization. So there you go. All right. We are truly, truly aligned. Yes. Commit to being affluent. You're hearing a lot of these things and you're like, okay, budgeting, saving, like these are not groundbreaking ideas and principles. No. no they're not. Typically, they're not. Typically, it's super simple. Typically, to to hear, to take in, it's not simple to do. No, but that's the thing, though, right? Even in business, my gosh, like I have been going through like the biggest like flip in my brain of just like this is really simple. Why do we complicate things? We complicate things more than we need to in a lot of different places and a lot of different pl- like we overcomplicate things which cause us to create more anxiety for ourselves. Like we just overcomplicate it. It's just really, really annoying. So yes, creating affluence is so simple. It's our mindset and our willingness to do it that makes it hard. But most people aren't affluent and most people have a ton of debt because they're not willing to be mm. disciplined and do mm. the work. Oh, right? Yeah. I'm not trying to get you started on discipline. Don't don't get me started. <laughs> if it were not for this next thing, this next reason why you need to commit to being affluent, I don't know that we are where we are today. Nope, absolutely not. Because we already described this about our origin story, right? Your father presented this to us financial education. Mm -hmm. When we graduated our public school education, K through 12, we went through it all. Did we leave education, even college, when we left college, did we leave with any understanding or foundational knowledge of like finances? No. Like I didn't even know how to balance a checkbook. I don't even know what that means. I did college. What is a checkbook? I did did college algebra because I'm not a mathematician. All right. I know it feels crazy. Why are you dealing with 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 like finances if you're not someone who loves math? I hate math. <laughs> I love math, by the way. He should be the person who's doing all it. But but I'm but for whatever reason, the Lord bestowed upon me that I would be the one to talk to people about their numbers. Why? I don't know. I think it's because it's more emotional and strategy than it is numbers. It's it's really basic. But anyway, when I was in co- high school, I did college algebra. And because I didn't want to do calculus because I was like, no, that's definitely not for me. And that's where we learned a lot of like the how to, you could call it a budget, but it wasn't a budget. We learned about compound interest. We learned about, um, you know, writing a checkbook. We learned about like those types of things. Like you could call it basics. Why it was not available to everybody. I don't know why. Why was calculus the thing that everyone was like, you should do this. You should do this, but not consumer math. That's what it was called. Consumer math. Why? I don't understand why that wasn't something that <laughs> was given to everybody. Because did I learn something from it? Not really. It wasn't anything that was like highly applicable to the life that I, it, it wasn't applicable to outside of what was happening in that in those walls. However, it could have been, it could have been a little bit more formative. I remember it because I was like, oh, that's the only time we ever talked about you get a paycheck. What are you going to do with it? How do you write a check? That was the or even only taxes, time. Right? Yeah, didn't even talk about taxes. It was literally all about compound interest, which was amazing, but no one really talked about it that I remember. 
this is why you should start investing right now. Let's talk about where places that you can invest. Let's bring someone in to talk about investing that if you start investing as an 18 year old, even a hundred dollars a month, golly, if someone had come in and just said, Hey, this is important. Start investing a hundred dollars a month. When you get your first job, these are the places that you can go. This is where you'll be by the time you're 30. I'm saying like that, that that's all they needed to do. That's all they needed to do. But that was not taught. They had so much opportunity there and they didn't do it. <laughs> but that was the only experience I had with consumer. So the point is that education is not there no. in the public sector, in grade no. school, K through 12, not even really in college. No. So you are going to, as an adult, as a person who wants to commit to being affluent, you are going to have to seek after your own final, financial education. You're going to have to invest in yourself I'm and so learn you mm -hmm. how Mm -hmm. to do these things, these simple, simple things, because no one's going to teach you. No one's going to teach you. You can read all the books you want. You can look at all the YouTubes you want. You can listen to this podcast. You can do all that. But you are an individual person and your individual mindset, your individual management of your funds is going to look different. So having someone who is going to pour into you and tell you exactly what you should do for you is going to be so much more beneficial than you trying to figure it out yourself. So we started with FPU, right? Financial yeah. Peace University. We did that and that carried us through for about, I'd say like four or five years. And then we met a financial advisor named Amy Scott. She's amazing. And she's awesome. And she started working with us around, I want to say like 20, like 14, 2015, yep. 20, somewhere we in there, yet. like the mid, you know, yes. It was before we had the Sophia. mid teens in the 2000. And she kind of revolutionized our budget for us. We kind of got away from the financial peace stuff and started mm -hmm. doing a little bit our different. And then in 2020, you kind of took off with your own financial business. So we've been doing those Excel spreadsheets ever since. So, and we also read like almost like a dozen books last year during the summer and through the pandemic. So, the financial education, whether you're investing in coaches, financial advisors, you know, those little like courses like FPU, whether you're reading books, like it's so critical mm -hmm. to invest in yourself, to invest in coaching, to invest in financial education, because that's how you're going to grow. Can we have a conversation really quick about the difference of financial education? Because is that what the mood is telling you to do? The is mood that the is vibe? telling me that we need to talk about this because so many people, in fact, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and if you're watching YouTube or you're here, tell me what or think about it. What types of things or who do you think you're going to go to to help you with your day-to-day -day finances? Many people would say my financial advisor and I would say you are incorrect. Your financial advisor is not responsible for your day-to-day -day spending. They can help you with a plan and say, here's what it should look like. And that's great. But they are not helping you with the implementation, with the mindset, with the strategies, with the habits. They don't do that. In fact, they're not allowed to, right? So that's the overarching thing. They're like, hey, here's the big plan. And that's great. But they cannot help you with the day-to-day -day stuff. That's not their job. You can go to someone who's going to help you with insurance. That's great too. That's You need insurance. That's awesome. They can help you with the overall picture. This is what it's going to look like over, look like over a course of 20 to 30 years. They are not responsible for your day-to-day, -day, right? Um, you can go to, I'm trying to think of anybody else, but I'm, I mean, there's so many people that I feel like people are like, that's who I should go to. That's who I should go to. They are not responsible for your day-to-day. -day. In fact, it is a very, it's a huge gap that we don't have this financial education of what to do in the day-to-day. -day. Financial Peace University is amazing. It's wonderful if you are if you have that in your church or if you're available to do that. It's an online program. 
you might have someone who's able to teach you. That's awesome. And if they're willing to sit with you, like what I taught FBU, I went and sat with like my very first client. She was, <laughs> she did not, you don't get paid if you vol- you're volunteering your time. And I helped her get out of debt. It was the most, it was a formative and exciting experience for me. But that's not, that's not something that your coach is like going to do. So I'm saying this to say like, you're going to have to seek out someone like a money mastery coach, which is what we are. <laughs> And we are the ones who are going to help you with the habits, the strategies, the day-to-day. We're going to help you build the routines that make sense for you. That's what we are here to do, to kind of help you and guide you in that. And that is something that is so valuable. Imagine like if you invested in that type of understanding of your specific routines, strategies, habits around your finances, what is that going to do when you go to your financial advisor because you want to invest more? And if they say, hey, you need to put an additional $500 a month away, you're not going to go, where am I going to find that $500? You're going to say, oh, yep, I got that. I know exactly where to find it. I'm aware of where my money is going. Let's do it. It's going to be so much easier for you to invest in yourself for the future. Yes. So you got to know yourself. You have to be aware. Are you like a self-driven, self-motivated? Are you that person that sets goals at the beginning of the year and you stick to it and you're consistent? then a course like Financial Peace University is going to be great for you because yeah. you're going to go through and you're going to stick with it and you're going to succeed. Or a like program like that. There's a lot of I will of tell you, we like went that. through FPU and it was like maybe us and one other couple that actually stuck to it and saw success. Mm-hmm. A lot of the people that were in that room ended up coming up to the next FPU a year later and the year after that. And the year they just kept coming back and they were like, we're in the same place. Yep. Why? Because they they needed a coach. They needed someone to guide them through. They needed someone to hold them accountable. They needed a Kim. They needed a Dan, right? (laughs) Seriously. Unless you, you got to know yourself, unless you're like able to do that on your own, you're not going to have success, right? You're going to need someone there to guide you through. So you got to know yourself. All right. I'm going to rapid fire, go through some of these because I always have way more notes in the show than, you know, what we actually talk about. Because if we went through all of these, We'd be here for four or five hours. And quite frankly, I don't have time for that. But we would. And we would talk about it. And we would have so much to say on each and every one of those. But we're not going to do that. (laughs) What you've heard us mainly talk about for your commitment to being affluent is budgeting, savings, your debt management. We talked about your financial education. Mm -hmm. Other ways that you commit to being affluent is through your long-term planning, looking ahead, delaying your gratification. Mm. We have another podcast episode on delayed gratification. You need to go check it out if you would like it. Please let me know. I'm talking to the people over here. I will tag it for you because that's a great episode. They're all great episodes. They're all great episodes. (laughs) Being consistent, right? We just talked about people dropping like flies out of FPU because they weren't Mm -hmm. consistent. They didn't stick to it. They weren't self-disciplined enough. Mm -hmm. They needed a coach. They didn't know how to to coast through those bumps and bruises and bumps and potholes that happen on the road. Because that's the thing that derails us. And I always tell my clients, we go off on an exit, you know, like when you're on a road trip, you go on the exit ramp and you just go just because you want to make sure the car is okay. And then you never get back on the actual road. You stay in that exit and then all of a sudden you're setting up shop and all of a sudden you have a mom and pop shop over there and you're selling fireworks. Like that's not what your initial plan was. Your initial plan was to get back on the road and get to your desired goal. Get off, get off, get off the rest stop. So that's the thing. If you don't have someone to help you reroute, back on track. I hope we're, I hope we're getting this. <laughs> right. And that's why another one is to seek advice, right? Seek advice. Which you just talked about. Like you need someone to tell you like, no, 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 no. Don't go over there. Don't go that's over. not what your plan was. Your plan was this. Stay on track. 
uh, you got to be resilient because like I said, there are going to be times where you have to use your emergency fund to pay for that stupid car that broke down for the fifth time. All right. And you might want to just give up right then and there, Mm. but you can't, Mm -mm. you have to persevere. You have to have that strong growth mindset. Mm -hmm. You have to be resilient. Now, are, are any of these that I've bolded something that you want to talk about? Is there a vibe here that you're like, you is know, like, before we here? go, this is like, now I know that this is like seductive to you. Okay. No, I've talked about it already. All right. I've talked about it. Um, I think that when you're committing to affluence, I'll talk about this one. When you're committing to affluence, you need to commit the time that's going to help you with your consistency. I just spoke with a client today and I kind of challenged her. I said, tell me the truth. <laughs> And I'm the sweetest, I'm the sweetest teacher. I'm not here to judge you. I want you to be honest with you yourself. You are very sweet. I am not a You're sweet not. teacher. I am very sweet. Have you, you made your budget for the month of October. That's great. How often have you updated it, checked on it, looked at your, you know, what you've spent? And she looked at me and she was like, yeah, yeah, I, I haven't, I haven't done it. I was like, okay, so there, therein lies the problem. It's not the fact that you have a budget. We know, okay, you know that you have money, you know that you need to spend it, you know that you want to save money. Cool. The problem is the management of actually saying, I'm going to commit this five minutes a day to make sure that I'm on track. That's the that's the missing key for you. And it's again so simple. So simple, but so hard. So to commit to affluence means to commit the time management, which is literally five minutes a day. Once you have your stuff set up, it does not take long. Literally five minutes a day to make sure that you're on track. I love that you said that. We're going to end with that because next week we're going to talk about committing to being affluent when it doesn't feel like there's Mm. enough time in the day. Mm. Oh, that's a good one. So that is where we're going. Okay, great. So babe, you're so good at this. Give us a CTA. I love CTAs. Oh my gosh, guys. Um, All right. So here's your CTA for today. Are you committing to affluence? Really give yourself a nice little gauge on a scale of one to 10. 10 being like, I am so committed. I'm already doing all the things. I am budgeting, not just having a budget. I am, you know, talking to my spouse around finances. I'm looking through the other bolded things that we talked about to make sure I save all that. I know exactly what I need to have in my savings. And I am on, I am understanding how to have that debt management. And I am willing to invest in my financial education, right? So, if all of those things are happening for you and you're like, yo, I'm a 10, I am a 10 when it comes to affluence. I am committed to this, whatever lifestyle that I have for myself. Uh, a one being, girl, I don't even know. Like I just am constantly walking around and when I go to the register, I'm over here like, which card should I use? Should I use this card, this card, this card? If that's you, ma'am, sir, it's time for us to really reevaluate how committed to affluence are you? Because if you're here, means you have a desire to be a power couple. You have a desire to have stronger understanding of your finances. So how are we going to get you closer to 10? What do you need to do? And what are you going to do to make sure that it happens so that you don't, because you know yourself, you know yourself, so that you don't fumble the ball and go, oh, well, I guess I'll just do it next week. How are you going to keep yourself disciplined to get closer to that 10? So rate yourself on a scale of one to 10. How committed to affluence are you? That's it. It's just self-reflection. It's important to note that financial commitment can vary from person to person based on your individual circumstances, your goals, your values. But what's crucial is that your approach to money, your money language, maybe wink, wink, notch, notch, 
aligns with your financial aspirations and that you consistently take those steps to work towards them. Guys, thank you so much for joining us here for this live and for the podcast. Go live in love and walk in wealth. Take care, y'all. Bye. Thank you.